I mean, I think it's important that you start off with some confidence, but then be someone worthy of being followed. If you're going to be a leader, people are going to have to want to follow you. Like we can, we can call ourselves, um, you know, Lieutenant, Captain, Lord, whatever. But if people aren't following you, you're not a yep. leader. And yep. you have to be someone that's worthy of that. You know, in your thoughts, your actions, you know, how you treat people, all those things have to line up. Otherwise, your integrity, all those things have to be there. People want to listen to you. To me, that's the, that's the most important thing. People have to want to. Otherwise, they'll begrudgingly follow you and then they'll but that, but it won't be genuine and you won't be a leader. You'll just be the boss of somebody. Welcome everybody to the kitchen table. In this podcast, we sit down with our guests to have real and honest conversations around all things leadership. We call it the kitchen table because we know some of the best conversations at the firehouse take place at the kitchen table. And the goal with this podcast is to focus that kitchen table energy into talking leadership. I'm your host, Berlin Mazza. And of course, we got Deputy Fire Chief Bill Mack with us. Good afternoon, Bill. Good afternoon, Berlin. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm excited. Yeah, well, the bracket. Are you still yeah. alive or are you not? Oh, man, my bracket was so ruined so long ago. I'm not even going to. Go there. <laughs> All right. Um, but, I, but I will say I'm excited to have, I mean, what we have UConn and Miami playing yep. and then San Diego State and yes. Florida Atlantic. So we got, you know, some kind of people no one's seen yeah. playing. Uh, it should be exciting. Yeah. Have those absolutely. games set up tomorrow. Yeah, that'll be, uh, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. Can't really call upsets because no one really had any of these teams really going far anyway. So it'll be fun. I did miss the Reno trip. How was that? Oh man, it was fun. Uh, you know, what were we there? Four days, the first four days of the tournament, you know, watched 44 games of basketball. Nice. Uh, all those moments of yelling and screaming and ups and downs. My yeah. biggest uh, play probably was that, uh, the Farley Dixon, uh, win over Purdue. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I thought that they could, I didn't think they would win, but I thought that, uh, they wouldn't lose yeah. by the spread. So yeah. I ended up yeah. making a little bit of money there. Nice. Also, it was a plus six fifty at halftime. Oh, really? And yeah, so I ended up getting a little bit half. So a little bit. Wow. For those listeners out there, um, I don't gamble anymore, and neither does Bill. Right? Um, no. My only advice to betting is this: is um, and take it from someone who's been there. Place your bets. Well, don't place your bets. Have your bets written down, and right before you go to the betting table, you flip flop everything, and that will uh, ensure <laughs> a better winning percentage than what you've had in the past. Right? Because I could probably guarantee right. you. That That's most of you, my yeah, most of you listeners out there probably aren't on the winning side of the betting, especially in sports betting. But here we go. So today uh, on the kitchen table, we welcome Captain John Goins. Captain Goins started his fire and EMS career in 1998. He started as a volunteer firefighter and private ambulance EMT. He served with North Highline Fire District before joining the Seattle Fire Department in 2004. Captain Goins has worked in numerous assignments, including being a part of the Seattle Fire Department responding to the COVID-19 crisis. Special Task Force team. He also served as a vice president for Local 27, specializing in discipline and grievance issues. And most recently, he was in charge of recruit training, where he was in charge of getting over 175 of those Seattle recruits over the last several years. Captain Goins is originally from New Orleans, but grew up in the Seattle area. So I welcome Captain Goins today. Cap, how are you? And thank you for joining us on the kitchen table. 
Berlin, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a very humbling experience uh, to be invited and to be thought of uh, as someone that folks might want to listen to. So uh, thank you for the invite. Oh, abs- absolutely. Well, I do hear there's a promotion to battalion chief in your near future. First of all, uh, congratulations. Is there a, a date set? Uh, there is a, uh, I'm, I'm uh, eligible for promotion in August, uh, and there are uh, projected to be vacancies at that point, so that will uh, likely happen. I'm currently acting as a battalion chief, and uh, I'm enjoying it. It's, a, it's certainly a new experience, but uh, it's the next step in my career, and I'm, I'm, I'm loving it so far. Awesome. Well, congratulations if I don't talk to you uh, at that date. But we are here today because of what we call the Leadership Pre-Challenge. Uh, this leadership pre-challenge is actually the second of its kind on this show. This is where someone reaches out to Bill or I and says, you've got to have so-and-so on the show. This person is a phenomenal leader, is a positive role model, and this person will be uh, great to share their leadership experience and philosophy. And that, that so-and-so is you, Captain Goins, and as requested by my friend, Lieutenant Leo Castaneda uh, from Seattle Fire. So Leo is with us today as well, and I'm going to ask Leo to spend a minute or so sharing his why and asking Captain Goins to uh, come on this podcast today. So, buenas tardes, amigo. ¿Cómo estás, Leo? Buenas tardes. ¿Cómo estás? Uh, muy bien. Muchas gracias por uh, recomendar al Capitán John Goins para hablar en el podcast de la Mesa de la Cocina. Estamos muy emocionados hoy. Es uno de los mejores hombres que he conocido. Es mi amigo, <laughs> mi hermano del alma. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, well, thank you so much for uh, making this connection today and inviting Captain Goins to come talk on the kitchen table. We're excited to have him on. So before we get going, do you mind sharing a minute or two, a story on the why you uh, asked John Goins to uh, come on the show today? Well, everything started since I, I came here in 94. That was back in the days. I, I noticed that uh, Captain Goins was kind of doing the same uh, career path as me. I started volunteering in North Highland, and that's when I met him uh, back in 1998. Uh, he was also working in TriMay, which I had the opportunity to work too. And uh, as as we move forward, uh, he got on with Seattle, and then I follow him. So as you can see, he's a good leader for me. Absolutely, he's always, he's always been a, a mentor, a brother, a friend. I I not I had nothing good to you know nothing bad about said about John. He, I, I can describe this in five minutes. It probably takes hours for me to describe uh, my admiration and respect for uh, Captain Goins. But just uh, like I said before, uh, this is a very, uh, I watch it, you know, I watch it, how he behaves, how how he do the things that he does. And I, I learn a lot just by watching him even though he doesn't know that I'm watching him. And I, I see the way he behaved, the way he wears the uniform, especially early in the career when we were, uh, were doing the volunteer stuff, you know, when they asked for volunteers to do something, an event or whatever, they was going, they was going. He was always raised the hand. He was always involved with the community, doing events for the community. So I, I always pay attention to him. He got in with Seattle. I reached out to him. He was always had the door open for me. And I'm sure he has the door open for many people. Uh, they wanted to better themselves, to want to accomplish the, the dream. And I call it dream because for me, it was the dream to make it mm-hmm. to, to this uh, fire service career. So now let's talk about why, why did I choose John Goins um, 
to to be uh, this person or be a leader just because I've been watching him and learning from the way he treats um, everybody. So he he continued being an impact in new members and even old members, uh, the way he he does things, especially in the Seattle Fire Department. He started as a firefighter and volunteer. He started this in the fire cadet program, which mentor uh, young, uh, young uh, boys and girls that want to be in the fire service. Later on, he promoted and, you know, so I was watching him as a leader, as a lieutenant, and he was always teaching me and always encouraged me and I say, hey, keep going, you know, so he never doubted me. He always say, there's always an opportunity to to fail, but it's up to you if you're going to stay dead in the bottom or if you're going to rise up to the moment and, and, and take those learnings with you. Those are the marks that are going to make you a better person. So later on, he became a captain. And now he's soon to be a, a fire chief. So uh, there's, there's a lot of great things that I can say about John, but uh, I think uh, he will be the right person to be in this uh, podcast. I always look up to him. He's the most humble man uh, that I ever met. I always have the door open for me. He, even though if I just need to call him for a checkup or whatever, he always have the phone ready and he will answer anytime I call him. So for that, I thank him. I am grateful to have him in my life. And not only that, but uh, I'm sure uh, 1,100 members of Seattle Fire Department think the same things about him. Uh, he was just nominated the Officer of the Year for 2022. And that would be something that he will probably won't bring it up, but uh, I do it for him. Absolutely. Well, thank so you so much. Kind of, that's the kind of heart and that's the kind of person you're going to have in your podcast today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I've learned a lot about Captain Goins just right now over the last five minutes. So thank you, uh, Lieutenant, for sharing. And we are honored and grateful to have Captain Goins uh, on the show today. So before we get started, Captain, uh, would you mind sharing a little bit about John Goins? Something, you know, something about career, family, hobbies, anything you'd like to share before we uh, dive right into this? Yeah, sure. I, uh, like I said, I'm, I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, it was, it's a great place to be from, I like to say. You know, some some family uh, stuff. Uh, my I ended up here in uh, uh, Seattle, Washington, living with my dad. Uh, and I grew up here uh, ever since I was 12 years old. I've been here since 1987. And although I'm certainly uh, New Orleans born and bred, I am uh, I am full, fully immersed in uh, Seattle. That's where I'm from. That's where I'm, that's my home. Uh, I love it. You know, the warts and all. Uh, it, it certainly got. Uh, so, some issues, especially lately, but it's still a, a great place, and, and I love living here. Graduated high school, went to college for a bit, uh, dropped out of college. It wasn't—I certainly didn't have the maturity for it at the time. And then I entered the workforce, and you know, I found myself like a lot of other people, just wandering. I didn't—I had no good direction. I had no uh, no discernible uh, uh, plan for what I was going to do. And at some point, you know, I was uh, I was asked like, what what is it you want to do with your life? Who do you want to be? And I remember thinking, you know, since I was a little kid, I always wanted to be a firefighter. And I remember, and I I was forced at that point to to confront like, well, what, who who do you want to be? What are you going to do with yourself? And uh, from that moment on, on, I started working towards that. Uh, I went to North Seattle Community College, got uh, an EMT certificate. I met some some of the people I'm still uh, friends with to this day uh, in the emergency services world in that class in 1998. 
I got a job at TriMed Ambulance. And for the first time in my life, I had had probably dozens of jobs that just, I was mm. not a, a I would, I'll admit I was not a good employee. <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't have a good time with these jobs and I didn't put a lot of effort into them. And as soon as I got uh, the job at TriMed, I realized I had, I had, I had, I was somewhere where I was supposed to be. It was something I was interested in. I felt like what I was doing was important and, and it was fun. It was, it was a great time, you know, and I ended up working, working with one of my best friends from high school. And I always joke, like if our guidance counselor could have seen what was going on, she would, she would have certainly said we shouldn't work together, <laughs> but uh, we had, we had an amazing time. All of you that work private ambulance, you know, how, how, you know, it's certainly a stepping stone for a lot of people. Yeah but it's a, it's, it can be a lot of fun. So we had, we had a great time. I did that for four years. I worked on uh, the testing process and getting hired. I, I didn't quite understand the testing process at first. And I, I, I like to say like when I first started, I grew up next door to a Seattle firefighter and I asked him, I said, Jeff, hook me up one of those jobs at the fire department. He said, it doesn't work like that. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I like I had this impression like it was like join the army or something like you just yeah. go downtown and you sign yeah. up, sign up and some guys like you know are you sure you want to do this son and you're yeah. like yeah and he's like all right we'll show up on Monday like turns out it's it's 100 not that way I did the same thing I knocked on the door at the Redmond Fire Department no one answered the door I'm like how am I supposed to get an application Yeah, so. exactly exactly yeah. and and I I was not aware that of how difficult it is and I tell people frequently becoming a firefighter is a different job than actually being one. You have to mm-hmm. learn that first and mm-hmm. then you, then you can become a firefighter. Uh, so I, I, I started, you know, because I'm working in the ambulance industry, uh, I met some firefighters at North Highline who, because I worked in that area, uh, they encouraged me to volunteer for them, uh, which I eventually did. And I still remember the day I, I first, like I went to the volunteer, I went to the state Academy or the volunteer Academy at Bates and I graduated, and then the first night that I was assigned on shift as a firefighter, even though I was a volunteer, I remember sitting in my seat and thinking, I'm home now. This is exactly what I need to be doing with my life. Hmm. And and from that point on, I never looked back. There was never any any thought of doing something else for a living. This is what I need to do. Awesome. And I, I certainly showed up at North Highland with the intention of getting hired. There were, they were, at the time, there were a lot of longtime volunteers there. And I was certainly not of that mold. I was I was certainly there on a mission where I was going to get hired either with them or someone else. And I, I worked hard. I, I had uh, I had a couple nights assigned to me that I worked all the time, and I, I I put everything I had into it. And that's that's something that you know for people that uh, that are working towards getting in the fire service, I always tell them too is until you put your all into it, it's probably not going to work out. Yeah. You know, I wasn't hedging my bet anymore. I was, I was all in if I, you know, I was, I was, I was not going to be denied. Yeah. And I finally, uh, figured out the testing process. I got hired by four different departments in a year. Wow. Wow. Uh, the first one was Lakewood, uh, who I, I certainly would have been a great place to work. And I ended up turning them down so I could stay at North Highline. They certainly didn't understand that. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, that was certainly what I was familiar with, and I, and I wanted to be up here. I'm from Seattle, and and, I, and Tacoma also offered me a job, and I, I certainly would have had a great time working there as well. Another great department, and I ended up staying at North Island. And uh, ultimately, the only place I was going to go other than that was uh, 
was Seattle and and me growing up in Seattle and, and wanting you know the uh, wanting to be you know in the in the big city as it were. Uh, it's that's certainly where I wanted to be, and when I finally got my opportunity, I jumped at it. Uh, although I certainly had some uh, some consternation about leaving my uh, the, the security I had at my old department and, yeah. the, and the friendships I made. Sure. And uh, but I'm still friends with all those guys to this day. Yeah. It was a great place to start, and I. I'm glad to have had my start there. Uh, there's a few of us that have migrated to Seattle, and all of us have done really good things. So I'm really proud of, the, of my beginnings there. Yeah. Uh, I'm married. I have a uh, I have a 28 year old son, and uh, I live here in West Seattle. Um, love it, and it's uh, that's that's pretty much my life. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Brendan. Appreciate you you sharing a little bit. So obviously, this is a this is a leadership podcast and uh, you and Bill know each other back, you know, back in the union days. And I'm sure we'll get into, into kind of that conversation as well. But since we're here to talk about leadership and since we had Lieutenant Castaneda talk a little bit about you being a leader from day one, um, I'll ask, uh, what is leadership to John Goins? What is it? What does it look like? What does it mean? Well, I think there, there are some absolutes about leadership. You have to be honest uh, with your people, uh, with, with, with your management. Uh, and with, with the people you're working for, uh, you have to be competent. Absolutely, you know, people aren't going to follow you if you don't know what you're doing. And that doesn't mean you need to micromanage them, but it means you should know your, your subordinates' jobs as well. Maybe not to the degree they do, but you should, you should certainly have an understanding of what it is they're expected to do so you can have proper expectations of them. Uh, you need to be fair. Uh, to, to all the people you're working for. And uh, I think we're finding out, you know, as we as we learn things as a society, fair and equal are not always the same thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, we also, but we also, but we need to look at our folks and say, am I being fair to everyone here? You know, a, a, an early lesson I learned as a lieutenant is I had, I had a member on my crew who I came in the fire department with, and he's just a good soldier. He's a good Marine, actually. And he would do anything I said absolutely right now with no question. And I had another guy on my crew who's also a great friend of mine, but he would challenge everything I said. And what I would, and then I had my driver who was, in, you know, he was a little older and he was, you know, he was certainly set in his ways. So what would I do? I would find myself telling the easy guy, hey, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And I'm piling all the work onto him because it was easy. Mm-hmm. Now and that wasn't that wasn't right. That wasn't fair. It was easy for me, right? Because he would because he would, it would be no hassle. But I I was not having that hard conversation with my other two crew members to say I can't put all this work on this on this guy just because it's it's harder to to deal with you. Uh, so that, that's that's a that's one way of being fair. I was just gonna say, uh, you know, you hit on something that's that's kind of an important thing that that I want to unwrap a little bit. So many times in our business, you know, you don't get any benefit for being a good company officer, right? I mean, you can hit, you can mail it in and work at station nine and right. run on, you know, one call a day, or you can work at headquarters and go on 20 calls a day. Your, right. your compensation and your, and your pay is the same. And so that fairness thing that you talked about, you know, we see that with some leaders in the fire service where they hit the easy button and they pile things on uh, Captain Goins or Lieutenant Maza. You know, they pile projects and things onto them because they know, one, that they'll get something, a good work product back. 
two, they know it'll get done in a timely fashion, but it's not always fair. So how, how do you, yeah, I, this is kind of an open-ended question. I may not be a, a, an answer for it, but how do we do better at making things equitable and challenging some people who might not be challenged on a regular basis to, to step up to the plate? Well, I think a lot of those things have to do with how you set up your organization and what your culture is. So uh, where you work has a, has, a, has a certain expectation of people that are on shift. You know, and, and where I work has a, has a certain expectation of people on shift. You're going to come to work, you're going to wash the rig, you're going to check it, you're going to have breakfast, have coffee, do training, all these things. You know, those are just things that are set. They're not necessarily written down what order those things are going to happen in. But at, you know, Eastside Fire and Rescue, I'm sure there's a there's just a, a way of doing business. Mm-hmm. You know, and at East Pierce, there's a, there's a way of doing business. And at Seattle Fire, there's a way of doing things. And if you, for one, you have to hold people accountable to what it is the expectations are. But I think with regard to those types of things you're talking about, I think you have to make sure that those projects and those extra duties are part of those expectations. When you promote to Lieutenant, we're going to expect you to produce something of value for the fire department. Uh, when you promote to captain, you're going to, we're going to expect that you work in an admin assignment for a certain period of time and, and provide that function for the fire department. Uh, when you promote to chief, same thing. And I think if you set the expectations up beforehand, for one, people will gravitate towards something that they think that they think they'd be good at. And even if the person who doesn't want to do it just knows it's part of what they have to do, at least they'll 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 understand and be part of it, and and uh, t- and at least take on the challenge knowingly. I I know uh, I mean I've, I didn't work in Tacoma, but I know that for Tacoma Fire, they at least the people have told me they have a uh, an expectations of their of their new officers that they're going to produce a policy or a document of some type that advances some of the goals of, of Tacoma Fire. I, I think that's great. It's not something we do here. Ours is a lot more ad hoc. It's I get asked to do a lot of projects, just like you said, because, well, John's done this before, and it worked out well, so have him do another one. Mm-hmm. And personally, I'm I'm glad to do them because, you know, for one, I, I, I want to do them right, and I, I think it's important, and I'm bought into it. But, you know, I'm, I'm certainly compensated for it. But I think it'd be a lot better if we got input from a lot of other people besides the folks that, that decided that they wanted to step up and do that. But we have, but there's a reality that there are some people, and I, I will not claim credit for this uh, quote, but uh, this was from Dave McGrail from Denver Fire. He said, there are firefighters and there are employees of the fire department. And that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. There are people who work here and that's all they do. And that's okay. You know, we, especially in a big organization like ours, there are some people that want to come to work. They drive the fire engine. They take us where we need to go. They pump water, and then they go home in the morning, and they live the rest of their life, and that's just fine. And there are firefighters and officers who have a very similar philosophy, and then we have others that want to advance the Seattle Fire Department and make it better, and people that want to that have a have a passion for whatever it is their uh, their uh, pet issue is, and they want to make us better at that. And I, and I think that's fine too. I think it's, I think it's important to recognize you're not going to get everybody bought in. You're, you're never going to have that. Some yeah. people are just going to work here and that's so, okay too. So I think that kind of 
taking a 360 and back to where you started this whole conversation about leadership is one of the things you said earlier, two things you said that really hit home here. One is honesty, right? I mean, being honest with people like, hey, I need you to do this project because of X, right? And being honest about why and the needs. And then having those clear communications and expectations with people, you know, and setting that up organizationally. So it's not something that feels punitive. It's not something that's just getting piled on one person. The expectation is that everyone, when they get to a certain point, they all help. You know, they all yeah. move the organization forward. And Berlin's probably tired of me using this reference, but, you know, I one of my favorite leadership books is talking about the New Zealand All Blacks. And they have a they have a mantra that they talk about with their team that everyone sleep, sweeps the shed. And it just means that after a game, they hot wash the game, they spend 30 minutes talking about the game, and then after that, everyone picks up a shovel or, I mean, a broom, a dustpan, a rag, and they clean the locker room as a team, right? From the equipment manager to, to the coach, they all do that. Yeah. And so yeah. everyone helps move the organization forward and everyone takes responsibility for wins and losses. Um, and so I think that's, you know, how helps helps organizations like fire departments move and be successful. I think it does too. I a hundred percent think it does. It's uh, we, I mean, every rank has different response roles and responsibilities and, and I don't, expect the fire chief to take out his own garbage but but then again you know i i also he doesn't he doesn't pull hose either so we have like we have this uh about the deputy fire chief (laughs) (laughs) just kidding (laughs) just kidding he's referring to us go go listen to episode six you'll hear that one yeah Yeah, that chief chief, i don't want him taking out the garbage that's 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 not what that's not what he's no i'm kidding uh but you know again going back to that confidence thing if you happen to be the person standing now, now, as a as a chief, even even as a company officer, you have people that are supposed to perform certain functions. They're supposed to pull hose, throw ladders, go to the roof, things like that. And if you're doing that with them, or too closely with them, you're probably not doing the big picture thing you're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. by watching watching the scene and, and managing the scene and watching their back and whatnot. And I know with staffing differences and whatnot, those those things, those roles can certainly change. But the general principle is, I'm I'm directing work, not necessarily doing it. Because if I'm down in the in the hole with you, then I'm not managing the scene. So that's true. But then there are other things, times where, if there's three hands on the on the problem and they need a fourth hand, then you ought to be available to be that fourth hand. And you and you're not you're never too good to to help folks out when when they need it so that's a that's another thing and that that that's a uh that's certainly a philosophy that that some folks have and some folks don't uh, yeah and i think uh, depending on how your organization's set up you know those things can can uh can go differently and i'm and i guess i'm not talking about the task level stuff, right? Like you're talking about taking out the trash or pulling hose. Right. I'm really talking about more at the strategic level of our organization. Like yeah. what does Seattle fire mean? What does East Pierce fire mean? And how do we move, you know, our organization as a whole forward and, and, and focusing on that at, at whatever level you are, whether you're, you're a five bugle chief four bugle chief, you know, a Lieutenant, a captain, a firefighter, a probationary firefighter, you know, Berlin, we've talked about this, right? Lead from where you are, but if we all lead with a common goal and focus of moving an organization forward, that's, what's going to make us, you know, work at that strategic level. Uh, no, I love that. The lead from where you are part. Like, 
there's a uh, there's a value in the members holding themselves accountable that you can never bring to them. You can never you can come down as Deputy Chief Mac and and say all kinds of things. And as soon as you leave, <laughs> what happens mm-hmm. now? In a good organization or an, or an, or an organization, is, is, is this where well. I put the eye roll? Do I put the eye yeah. roll in here? <laughs> <laughs> Remember, no video, just audio. Oh yeah, right. But the uh, like in a in a good organization, you know, or I don't know if it's if it's necessarily a, it doesn't make it a bad organization. But when folks are are bought in and they're listening and they're buying into what you're saying. You know the things that that they know that you want as the leader continue after you're gone, and if they don't, for some reason they're they're not agreeing with you, they're not buying in, and some things are just they're just they're just not. They're going to have a different opinion than you, and it's going to matter more when they're in front of you than when it's not, than when they're not. Yeah, but, uh, I think you know when you get a high percentage of folks toeing the line, even when you're not there. I think that's a that's a healthy organization going on. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot that uh, that I took away from that, but I'm going to ask a question. So part of this podcast is uh, actually the purpose of this podcast is is pretty simple. It's uh, we want to grow more leaders. We want our listeners to engage to then become better leaders, but then also encourage others to be leaders. So you said something very interesting, and I'm going to um, I'm going to push uh, a little bit on it. You you had mentioned. You know, sometimes engineers just want to show up to work, be an engineer and go home. Firefighters sometimes just want to become a firefighter, you know, show up to work and go home. And that is okay. There are individuals out there that should be pushed, can be pushed, should be pushed. And uh, obviously it's it's um, to an extent a leader's responsibility to help people realize their potentials, right? When we talk about sports, you know, good head coaches, good, you know, strength and conditioning coaches, they help the players reach their potential. So I guess my question is, um, and then, you know, you being a very influential individual, obviously, you know, influencing over 1100 people at Seattle fire department, as Leo had mentioned, you influencing Leo himself, plus many others. What are some things that you do, John, that, uh, that helps grow more leaders? Cause you obviously have a positive impact on a lot of people. I'm sure you help people promote through the ranks, maybe people that didn't originally see themselves as, you know, promoted officers, but they are now because of the influence you've had because of your leadership style. So talk a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, well, mainly what I do is harass them. There you go. So, and what I mean by that is <laughs> there are, there are, this is perfectly legal harassment, by the way. Yes. Yes. Uh, so there are people that I, that I meet uh, that are new that you can tell from the beginning or soon after they, they get off probation and show you who they really are, you can tell that this person could be a good leader or they may be a good leader already, you know, mm-hmm. and they, and they're leading from the tailboard and they're, and they're having a, and they're having a good time or they're driving an engine and they're, and they're just loving it. And I certainly like to pick those people out and say, you should, you should promote. And they say, and they say something like, well, I'm having a good time. I like driving a rig. Like I do too. That was the most mm-hmm. fun I ever had. I love, I used to drive not as an assigned driver, but when I got to drive, I spent the majority of my career downtown on engine two and I absolutely love it there. It's, it's so much fun. And the most fun I've ever had was being a tailboard firefighter on engine two. It was great, mm-hmm. but there's only so much influence I have from the backseat of the rig. Uh, and I, so I tell 
the folks that I say, look, I know this is fun. This is this is the best thing. What we need, though, is for you to step up and bring your good work ethic, your attitude, your um, your philosophies on on leadership and your knowledge. We need you to bring those to the front seat. You know, and and that's a and some people are very resistant. Mm-hmm. You know, but I've certainly encouraged uh, a lot of folks that are now officers. You know, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take any credit for it. I'm, I just know that I talked to the guy and now he's a lieutenant. I'm not saying it was because of me, mm-hmm. but I've certainly made that effort. Yeah. Because the fire service, especially now with the the brain drain that's going on with so many people retiring. I was just uh, at a retirement party this morning for one of our officers that spent, uh, I think, 30, 33 years, 23 of it at, at Station 25 on Capitol Hill. Like one of our best like the person that I would call and ask, hey, what do, you, what do you think about this or that or the other? You know, he's leaving, mm-hmm. you know, and with him goes most of that, a lot of that knowledge. And, but the, we need other people to step up and fill those roles. And I don't think, you know, the sky's not falling. The Seattle Fire Department's going to be okay, no matter when any of us leave. You know, that's, none of us are so important that, that the place is going to fall apart without us. But the collective of, of all these people is very important. Mm-hmm. So I like to put more people into that collective that I think are going to do a good job. So there's people like Leo that I've talked to that, that wanted to be an officer and, and, and he should, Yeah, you know, and Leo, Leo's, Leo's a great person. Uh, he's got a lot to offer and he's adding something to this cadre of officers we have. Mm-hmm. And from your cadre of officers comes your cadre of chiefs. Yeah. And eventually, and eventually your fire chief, depending, you know, sometimes they go outside, but uh, we would certainly love for that to be internal. You have to have a strong cadre of leadership uh, from the, from the, from the first level all the way to the top, because that is who's going to run your organization. That is who's going to define the character of your organization. So I'm relentless in encouraging people that are, that are performing well and showing showing a good attitude, a good work ethic, a uh, good skill level, you know, those, those folks need, and just a general good attitude and a good, uh, just a good demeanor. Like those people need to be officers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes, sometimes there are people I don't even agree with on certain, on topics, you know, there's a yeah. good friend of mine. I disagree with him on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. He also ought to be an officer. Absolutely. And I want him to be in the same room arguing with me because I don't want to, I certainly don't want to be in a room where everyone's agreeing with what I want. Yeah, that is not it. how you get, good. and that is yeah. not how you how you advance your organization. You have to have someone who's challenging the status quo or, or challenging the uh, the uh, whatever idea you have, so you can flesh it out. Yeah, and uh, and get it and and make it better. Yeah. Oh, I love that because what's the saying is, you know, if uh, if you and I are the same, one of us is unnecessary, right? If ten of yes. us in the same yes. room, you know, if you got 10, 20 of us company officers in the same room, but we all act the same, make the same decisions. We never push back on each other. We bring the same ideas to the table and we agree upon each other. You know, we need nine different officers because we only need one of you. So I love that saying. I love how you brought that up because uh, difference is okay. And uh, uh, healthy debate is okay. It actually makes us stronger as a unit, makes us stronger as as an organization. Uh, And ultimately we provide a better product to the citizens. And so uh, would you go as far as to say, Captain? that there have been individuals that you had talked to along the way to say, Hey, you should take this role. You should take the next step in your career. You should promote. 
to where they originally laughed or said, no way, not me, but then ended up taking your advice and became phenomenal leaders. Yes. Yes. Uh, there are some who haven't yet, but I'm yep. still working on them. Yeah. No, that's, and that's awesome. I think it's just, it just goes to show, I mean, Bill was that for me back in the day, I was in the training division in 2019. I was a firefighter, uh, promotional went by. I didn't take it. He kind of looked at me, well, what are you doing? Well, I don't know. And then ended up taking the next one. It was like, well, you know, I should have done this sooner, you know? So yeah. I think it's important to, to just, you know, it's some of us just need some, some leaders or mentors or someone to just kind of remind us, uh, you know, we can all, you know, use a voice of reason and a voice of, you know, experience to guide us along the way. Right. No one goes on this journey alone. No. Bill? No. Yeah. I was just going to hit on something that uh, Cap said earlier that talks about, you know, people want to be, they're really happy being an engine driver, you know, because it's super fun to drive a fire engine through downtown Seattle and honk your horns and do all that stuff. Right. But I think that there's one thing people forget is that, you know, because it's fun, it's probably comfortable. And that's what yes. makes it fun, right? Because I was super comfortable in a lot of points in my career. And that was the point where I needed to challenge myself because it's it's that circle of life of, of moving forward and getting better as a person is challenging yourself and becoming uncomfortable again. I mean, if you go all the way back to before I was married, I was super comfortable being a single guy rolling around. Right. And then I met, met my wife and I got uncomfortable being married. And then now I got comfortable being married. Then all of a sudden you become a dad and talk about being uncomfortable, become a first time father. Right. Now you're like looking at this little baby and you're super uncomfortable. Same thing in our careers, right? We're a firefighter. We get super comfortable. We know our job. We know how to kick in doors. We know how to take blood pressures. We know how to do all that part of our job. And then we become an engineer. We have a new thing to think about. Then we become a company officer. We have a new thing to think about. But it's also that cycle of competition that I think competing in, in and becoming uncomfortable makes you stronger as an individual. It makes you a stronger asset for the Seattle Fire Department. It makes you a stronger ability to create impact which impact is really the reason why guys should promote is because you can't have a, you can't have departmental impact as a third on an engine company right around downtown Seattle. You can start having influence once you become a station captain or a station officer, you start yeah. having some influence. You can have some shift influence and some operational change as you become a battalion chief. But as you know, each of those levels, your sphere of influence and change gets bigger and bigger. And so if you really want to drive your organization forward, you got to you got to promote to get impact. And then the kind of the last point, I'll make it quick because I don't want to turn into my podcast, um, is the whole concept of these this calendar. Right. I think a lot of guys get it in their head that there's this calendar of promotion through the fire department, that I'm going to be a firefighter for seven years, that I'm going to promote to lieutenant, be a lieutenant for 10 years, that I'm going to. I mean, you got to throw that out because that calendar thing will get you caught up. Um, and you won't be, you won't be successful. So when those doors open, make sure you're prepared. So prepare yourself today for that next step. And then when the door opens, luckily, if you're prepared and the door opens, you can step through it. If you're not prepared and that door opens, man, so many people get kind of rung up and stuck in, in mm -hmm. roles. Mm -hmm. I chief, I hundred percent agree with that. I think we, uh, we have a, we certainly have, have that culture in Seattle where, you know, especially from probation, you know, you basically shouldn't talk for five years. And then, and then a few years after that, maybe you can, maybe you can start thinking about promotion and, and, and on and on and on. 
And we're, we're moving away from that. We're certainly, because we're, we're a large organization and we don't have to, we don't have a lot of influence from the exterior or we didn't used to. And so it was known when I went there, like, you don't talk about where you came from. You don't know, like, if it, if it was that cool, you wouldn't be here now. So, so keep it to yourself. And we are so much better about that now. We recognize that people are coming to our organization with skills and abilities, maybe not even from the fire service, but just from, from the, the whatever life they were living before. And we're, we're doing a lot better with that. There's still a little bit of that. And I, and I don't think it's wrong to say, hey, we, we are the Seattle Fire Department or, or East Pierce or East Side. And we have a way of doing business and we didn't hire you to come and change that. We hired you because you said you wanted to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. But as people move through their careers now, we are having a lot more influence uh, from folks that had experience outside of here, from other departments around the, around the region. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing a lot more of that. And I think that influence thing you talk about, Bill, is, is huge because especially when you start talking about equity and how we're going to treat people and whatnot, like you can treat someone sitting next to you on the tailboard as nice as you want. But when you get up front, you can ensure the whole crew is treating someone fairly. Mm. You know, when you become the station captain, you can say at station two, we treat everyone, including the probies like this. We are going to take care of the public like this. Mm. These are my expectations as the captain on engine two or ladder four or, or engine 37, it doesn't matter. You, you can, you can have that influence the higher you go up. And, and as a battalion chief, you know, in our battalion, this is how we do business. You know, as the deputy chief on our shift, we do it like this, you know, within reason, obviously we're, we're all trying to stay on the same sheet of music operationally and whatnot, but you can influence a lot of, of, of attitude and demeanor and, and how, we are going to, to treat other people. You can do that a lot more by moving up somewhere in the ranks versus staying, staying in the, in the backseat or driving. So I think that's also, that's also another one as we're trying to move to a, to a, a place where, you know, everyone who, everyone who works hard and wants to do a job feel should feel welcome. And, uh, as we move towards that, uh, that's a, uh, that's another point, uh, where you can hold, where you can, have some accountability. Yeah. Have some influence. So, so this is a perfect time for this. You know, you kind of brought it up a little bit. One of the things I always tell our young leaders is to know what your non-negotiables are, you know, as a leader. And I think everyone should have them on the top of their head, whatever they are, you know, that that's one of the things I encourage everyone to have. So let's, let's unpack that a little bit with you. What is your non-negotiables as a leader kind of relating to leadership, what are those traits and attitudes and behaviors that are destructive, you know, not no-go items for you? Well, one, I'd say it's, it's do the work. And that I can unpack that a little bit in, in saying do the work encompasses a lot of things. To do the work, you have to know how to do the work. So I tell people a lot, the people of Seattle, you can, we can look out the doors of our station and I would point at some apartment bill and said, all these people in those apartments, they think we're good at this job. We should be, you know, when they call us, we should give them what they're paying for. They, they expect that we're going to be competent. They expect we're going to be nice to them. They expect we're going to be, be, uh, uh, you know, on the forefront of, of 
of fire operations and, and medical treatment, uh, we should fulfill all those expectations for them. So it's important that we, for one, know how to do the work and then do it. You know, we have to have a high, a, a strong work ethic. We have to be willing to go out there and do it, whether it's two o'clock in the afternoon or two in the morning. With that, uh, we have to remember why we're here. You know, what is it we're here for? I've heard a lot of people say things like, I only care about the members, everything else doesn't matter. And, and then there's the opposite where someone's only concerned with the mission and they don't care about the well-being of the firefighters. And to me, it's always been a balance. Mm-hmm. We have to take care of the people, the fire department, and the members. If we're not taking care of the people, there's no point in us being here. Mm-hmm. They're not paying us to have a clubhouse. They're paying us to do work for them. It just so happens that the place we get to do work for them is pretty awesome and it's fun for us. Mm-hmm. But they have to be satisfied in the work they're getting out of us. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's the point? Yep. Now, we as officers have to make sure that we are taking care of the, the members so that they're in a good place to do this work for the folks. Mm-hmm. And, the, and we have to do that so the fire department as a whole is a successful organization. Otherwise, the people don't want to pay for us yep. or they find some, someone else to do it. And it's a, it's, a, it's a symbiotic relationship and all pieces yep. of it have to be satisfied. I love how you say that's a non-negotiable item because uh, if I understand you served as a vice president of Local 27, correct? Um, I did. You did. Okay. And uh, I I, I love how you mentioned the balance. You had mentioned there's got to be a balance between the two because I've heard it, right? I've heard, you know, some members, I only care about the members. You know, I care about the union members. I care about us. And then you got members that are, you know, the mission is most important. Well, neither, it's neither, it's, it's, it's both, right? We got to care about us. Yeah. We got to care about each other, brothers and sisters. We got to care about the mission. We got to care about the citizens, all the above. And I love the part where you mentioned, you know, you you can have more influence when you become, you know, in, in a leadership role, in a promoted role, you can have more influence. Now, I'm going to make sure I, I say this correctly, just because you're in a leadership role or just because you're in a promoted role does not mean you're more influential it just gives you the opportunity to become more influential so i guess my question is this you served as a vice president talk about that balance a little bit because it had to have been a challenge yes Uh, working with the 1100 members of seattle fire um you know keeping members you know expectations at bay if you will between not forgetting the mission of seattle fire department like you said it's the whole reason we all are here but then also making sure the members are taken care of so talk about that balance a little bit well, so like anything, think about like a sports team. Sometimes fans will get mad at a, at a player because the player wants to get traded or something like that. And and they're mad because they realize that the Mariners are not just a, a, a an organization that you love, you know, that belongs to the city. They are a business. And this person who works for them as a player is also making a business decision. Mm-hmm. So. I think of us some sometimes like that. We are people that are employed to do some pretty serious work for the city, but there's also a business arrangement there where you've told me I'm going to do this type of work for this type of money or and this and this level of vacation and, and, and sick leave and all these things. And when those things are in dispute, well, now we have to have a, have a discussion about them. Mm-hmm. And just like most arguments, in my opinion, most people don't think they're wrong when they're arguing. They think right. they're right. 
Right. I don't personally walk around thinking the department is trying to harm me, but I think they have a different interpretation sometimes of what this contract means yep. than I might. And and vice versa. Like I, I think most members are trying to get what they think is fair. Yep. And what they think is fair based on the contract as the, the way they read it. And yep. you know, as you know, the uh, the contract was written 50 years ago, and has been amended over and over and over again. And now it it takes someone with subject matter expertise to interpret it. Sometimes. Yeah. So sometimes, I had a friend of mine ask me about acting captain's pay. We have a convoluted process <laughs> to decide whether or not you get acting captain's pay when the captain's absent and you're one of the lieutenants that works there. And we had to work through why he was denied and why that didn't happen. And once we got there, he's like, oh, well, now I get it. Yeah. Finally, someone explained it to me. I get it now. And I think the, um, the overarching thing to me is, and I wish I would have brought it, the... Uh, the prime or the, the one of the first things mentioned in the charter of, of uh, Seattle Firefighters Union, IFF Local 27, is that, I'm going to paraphrase, we are basically trying to make the fire service better, mm -hmm. trying to make the Seattle Fire Department better. Yeah. Now, also, we, you know, we are, uh, Local 27 is bargains for our wages, hours, and working conditions. Mm -hmm. And those those two things don't always align. You know, if we'd work for free, well, the city could have a thousand more firefighters, and that'd be right. even that'd be even better. Right. But that doesn't really work for the employees, for the people that work here. Yeah. So we have to find balance with that too, uh, yeah. and we have to make sure that we're being fairly compensated for what we're doing, and that the department's following the rules it puts in place. Yeah. And there's sometimes dispute over what that means. Yeah. You know, but in my opinion, for the most part, it's not malicious on either side. Right. But sometimes, you know, you have people that are really bought into their version of what they think is going on. Yeah. And as a, as a union officer, my job was sometimes to ask them, well what, well, what do you think is wrong and what would you like to be done? Yeah. You know, and that would, uh, that would sometimes answer the question for them themselves. Yeah. No, I love it. We'd have, to, we'd have to go down some other route, but, you know, sometimes yeah. just asking them, well, what do you, what do you want to happen? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what makes sense to you? No, it's perfect. So, I mean, what I heard from that is obviously we know this communication is key, right? Communication, yep. expectations, but also perspective and understanding yep. of perspective or at least learning and, you know, trying to uh, obtain, you know, the perspective of one another, right? Like you said, when people argue and debate, we all think we're right, right? And mm -hmm. it's not to say that anyway. And what I like to say to people too is when I have a disagreement, it's not about, Sometimes it's not about being right or wrong. It's about, in my perspective or in your perspective, we are kind of both right. And it's yeah. about how do we understand, how do we get to a common ground that, you know what, you're right, but so am I. And it's, it, you know, cause you don't want to argue opinion cause obviously it goes nowhere. Um, right. But at the end of the day, I love what you said. It's uh, it's about balance. So I love that. So um, there's one more thing about yeah. the non-negotiable items I yes, wanted please. to add. Is, yeah. You know, do the work. Remember why we're here. Those are super important. Yes. But good to each other and the public Absolutely. yep that's a thing that sometimes we you know we we get caught up in how we feel about things and forget that there's a reason we're here these folks are employing us to do something for them and basically what they want us to do is be nice and solve their problem yeah just do that if you do that you're, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a the runs are gonna go great if, if, if they end with that if they yep. start and end with that philosophy yeah, uh, but sometimes you know we we get our own frustrations, and sometimes 
I don't like how the city's doing this or that or the other, or mm-hmm. I don't like that this exists. And but ultimately, we're still supposed to be nice and 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 take care of the public. Yeah. If we do that, we're doing our job. If we're not doing that, we're 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 missing the bar a little bit. And I'm I'm certainly not saying I'm perfect. All that and and all that. I've certainly been frustrated before. Uh, I've certainly you know, said said something snarky to somebody, you know, who, who I felt needed it at the time. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I try to hold that even when I'm on a frustrating run or I've seen the same person three times today. Yeah. You know, these, these folks are they're actually paying me money to be nice to this person. Absolutely. And that's all I got to do. And it's it's. It's it's not even like you're asking. Just you're, you're saying a complex, <laughs> you know. It's it's not complex, right? You have said, do the work. Remember why we're here. Remember why we exist. Be good to each other and the public, right? I mean, these are fundamental things, right? And and it not. We've said this in our podcast too. Is it these things need not be something super complex for us to be good humans, to be good leaders, right? Uh, regardless of the rank, like like Bill said, from where you're at. We can all do all the above that you just listed, right? We can all, sometimes it's not about learning a, a brand new technique on how to be a good leader. Sometimes it's just being reminded of the simple fundamental concepts um, of being human. And that's what makes us good leaders, right? Like be good to each other and be good to the public, right? We all, I think we'd all agree, all of our listeners here say, yeah, that's, uh, that, that I can do that. So let's, yeah. let's do that. I, I think that, you know, everyone follows all these big leaders, you know, the Jockos and the Goggins and all these people out there who do leadership training. But the best leadership trainer that I've ever had was my mom, right? Because she said exactly what you guys just said. You know, it's the whole golden rule concept. Just treat people nice, you know, mm-hmm. and, and do do what's expected of you. You know, yeah. just just do that. So yeah. Well yeah, yeah and then and then just going even further, we have a uh, Chief Escuso coming on the show in an upcoming episode, actually next week. And he talks about the oh, platinum man. rule. And we've heard, we've heard the golden rule, right? Treat people how you'd like to be treated. And he right, talks right. about in his book, and we've all heard it, the platinum rule. Treat people how they want to be treated, right? Because yeah. there are certain, I mean, cause, right? Because I, I, I want to be treated a certain way. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean the person next to me wants to be treated that way. In a sense yeah. that everyone deserves to be treated fairly. But uh, obviously, you know, the platinum rule says... You know, seek to understand how others want to be treated and treat them that way, not just the way that you would like to be treated yourself. And so let's jump to this real quick. So the hot coffee time is where we unpack a hot topic. And there's a lot here. And I want to talk a lot about it because I love the Academy. You know, I'm a part of the Academy now. Bill and I have uh, been in academies in the past. I hear you're uh, uh, with some part of the uh, Seattle uh, Recruit Academy, many, many uh, recruit classes. So let's talk about change. Let's talk about change management. But let's uh, let's talk about the new firefighters. Let's uh, let's unpack that real quick. Okay. So for the past two years, uh, let's see. I, I left uh, training division in uh, February, mid February. But for about two and a half years before that, I was the what we call in Seattle the recruit coordinator, and that is basically the captain in charge of recruit training. And so during that time, uh, obviously we were going through COVID and riots and 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 a mass exodus of of folks uh, for various reasons. A lot of it just people timing out. We're we're at the end of that 30-year cycle where people are starting to leave. But uh, we also had a lot of folks that were leaving because of, uh, you know, vaccine mandate and whatnot, a lot of controversial things going on. So it was a a very interesting time to be training new people. Uh, It was a, a, a stressful time. We had classes... Uh, in the past couple of years that were larger than we've ever had. 
uh, at least in a single location. Uh, the largest one we had was, was 69 people. And uh, just for reference, those of you that have been at the JTF, in Seattle, it was it was originally designed, I believe, for about 24 recruits. Huh. So wow. that's how much space we have. That's how many lockers and and racks for gear and whatnot. And and it's a large facility, uh, but we had to revamp our entire schedule uh, to make this work, which is which is a, a great thing. It reminds me of uh, because of COVID, we all had to embrace video conferencing. And if mm -hmm. this if you would have wanted to talk to me two years ago, right, we would have done this in person. Yep. And it would have been a lot harder to schedule and all, yep. all these things. And, and I would love to meet you guys in person. But, uh, <laughs> we'll make it happen. That. But the, the, uh, the world and the, and the things that were happening forced us to make changes. So mm -hmm. very much like that in recruit training in Seattle fire, we had to figure out how to put 50 people through a place, through a program that was built for 20. Yeah, for 24, uh, and how to put 60 something people. We had plans for up to 80 or 90 yep. at a time. Yep, and it worked out great. I, I had, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, praise my people here for a second. Uh, I asked my uh, recruit instructors to come up with a plan for uh, 60 some people, uh, and they said okay, and they went out to their their area out there and. Uh, their office out there and they, they called me back in about a week later and they had uh on the chalkboard on the on the, on the uh, whiteboard uh if you've ever seen the movie a beautiful mind mm -hmm. and you see all that stuff he had on the, on all those uh those designs he had on the uh on the chalkboard it was like that it was yeah. very complicated and there were people moving everywhere and pieces moving all over the place yeah and uh and it was and i said well i don't know what that is can you please show it to me and they had created this plan that were, that's in use right now. It changed the entire way we did it. And the the recruits, we have more recruits, more instructors, but these recruits that are coming through get just as many touches on the individual skills. Uh, they're coming out uh, with, with, the, with the skills that they need, knowledge, skills, and abilities they need uh, to perform out there. Uh, the vast majority of comments I get about our recruits is that these guys are, are are doing so well, you know. They're they're uh, they're pulling holes like like nobody's business. They're they're great, you know. And, and there are things we don't get to do, like we used to teach you how to how to you know throw a tart perfectly and things like that. And it's like those things are like, yep, you're gonna have to learn that out there uh, when you, when you get to the truck. Like it's it's not a big enough deal for us to take a day to show all 60 of you how to do this thing. Uh, that that barely ever happens. So uh, we we did great with that. So with the new firefighters, though, there's a great uh, meme I saw that uh, basically said, uh, don't expect a new firefighter to know all the things you know. You have you have 10 or 15 years. Don't expect this kid to know all this stuff. And then we have a tendency to do that. Mm -hmm. And one of the philosophies I, I, I bought into when I was there, and I still do, is you know, you, you hear it everywhere. I'm sure you, you guys hear it that also. It's like, these new kids, they don't know how to do this. They don't know how to do that. And I'd say, well, okay, like a chainsaw is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. They don't even know how to start a chainsaw. And I say, well, okay. So since we know they don't know how to start chainsaws, then now it's on us to fix that. It's on us to teach them how to start chainsaws. It's not our job to be upset that they don't know how to start a chainsaw. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, 
a little bit different for, for you guys out there, but if there's a kid from Seattle who, let's say, went to Garfield High School, lived in an apartment, and decided to be a Seattle firefighter, when would he have ever touched a chainsaw here in the city? Mm -hmm. Never. You wouldn't. It's just not a thing that comes up. Yeah. And so if we want this opportunity to be available to, to, to everyone, you know, we have to be able to teach them yeah. the things we need them to know. You know, there's, there's things that, you know, they don't know how to do this. They don't know what a Phillips is versus a flathead. Okay. And to me, that's still baseline knowledge. But the fact is a lot of kids don't grow up yeah. needing to know that. Yeah. Now, if you put them in front of a computer and say, can you operate this? Well, he can out operate most of the people who already work here yeah. on the computer. So I think we have to once shift our paradigm in that, you know, and I, I was not, a, I was not in the military, but from what I understand and what I've seen, you know, if you join the army, they're going to teach you everything you need to know about being a soldier, how to, how to shine your shoes, how to make your bed, how to do everything. Now we don't have the money or the bandwidth to, to take people from zero. That's why we have, we test for some certain aptitudes in our, in our testing process. But what we have to understand philosophically is that these folks, a lot of these folks are less mechanically inclined than the folks we used to hire. And so if we know that, then we have to start from there and quit being upset that they don't know it and just teach them. Uh, and that was my philosophy being the, being the captain there was teach. Awesome. Can I push, uh, can I uh, interrupt just a little bit because I love this. Yeah. So you were the recruit, the crew coordinator. So yes. I guess a question that I have is that is John Gowen's personal philosophy, which I love, right? We're going to actually talk offline a little bit here uh, about, about this exact okay. topic, but, but was it a challenge? So I guess my question is the, the, the coordinator before you, the coordinator after you, what happens if they don't have that same philosophy? Cause is it a Seattle fire department philosophy or is there a coordinator or the next instructor that has the philosophy of, well, you need to know how to start a chainsaw or you won't be continuing in this academy. So is that John Gowen's philosophy or is that the future of Seattle Fire or has it been that way? Or is is that is that how we should be doing and is that the way of the future? So I, I'd say this. We, we have policy in place that solidifies uh, the basic parameters of, of, of what we need from a recruit in drill school. And that is not subject to my personal whim. Now, in any job, you know, in your job, in Bill's job, like you have a certain amount of autonomy within your box. Uh, but for the most part, uh, like with the chainsaw is a great example. Uh, some people, are, most people are going to show up knowing how to do it. They've been a volunteer or they grew up somewhere where they need to do it. Our whole point is that's great if you already know, but we're making it, we're carving out time to teach people who don't know. And you're, you should be, at, by the end of the week, you should know how to start and operate a chainsaw. Now, are you a lumberjack? No. But we're going to, we have it built into our schedule mm -hmm. and approved by HR. And, 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 uh, and it's, 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 uh, it's not set in stone, but it's certainly built in that we teach people how to do this basic skill. We're not expecting you to show up knowing how to do this. If you do, yeah. great. We also have a, a prep program that teaches chainsaw starting do. and ladder carries and whatnot. And, th and that, that goes on for a few weeks before recruit school starts. So that wow. if you don't have any experience with that, you can come on the weekend and, and try it out and, and test it and whatnot. Uh, so there are things certainly that 
the recruit coordinator can uh, can influence and change, but the baseline of of us knowing where people are, are coming from and knowing what the minimums are, yeah, and trying to accommodate that those those are set. Yeah, and the and the, the guy the captain who took took over for me has a very similar philosophy. Uh, the deputy chief who's in charge of training division, uh, she has a very similar philosophy as well. Uh, we are not trying to wash people out for not knowing something that we should be teaching them. Now, we still have very high standards. Yep. And if you do not, if you do not pick up this skill in the in the requisite amount of time, then then yeah, you will not work here. Yeah. But we're not we're not gonna we're not. There are things that we don't want to fire someone for if we can show them how to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's I love that. Uh, quick question I have is that pre-prep thing that you were talking about, is that Seattle Fire only or is that open to the public? Is that open to, to other individuals? Is that that's, just Seattle Fire recruits? That's just, that's just for people that are on our list. Okay. So Seattle Fire recruits. Okay. Yeah. Um, I love that concept. It's the first I've ever heard. Bill, have you have you heard anything like this? No, I think it's great. a great yeah. thought. Yeah. All right, I'm going to pick your brain about that a little bit later as well. Yeah, no um, um, only uh, for the sake I know, uh, John, I appreciate everything. Um, I want to just keep this moving. I know there's a lot more to talk about. What I want to get to right now real quick is the rapid fire. If we can, okay. um, the rapid fire is my favorite part of the episode. And the reason that is, is because we get to ask you, John, your, uh, your tips and your suggestions to people to start doing now today. So these are action okay. items. So First and foremost, if you don't mind, give a tip or suggestion, an action item for the newer employee. This could be a recruit firefighter, probationary firefighter, or just a newer employee overall. What's something that those employees, those individuals, those firefighters could do today, according to John Goins, that they could do to start growing as leaders? I say get involved, stay involved, and learn. That's that's the number one thing. When I I had a so quick quick story. Yeah. I got hired at North Carolina Fire, small, super small, as you you know. They've they've now merged with Burien, but uh, two stations, twenty seven paid guys, and I was told by the union president at the time, Russ K. Uh, I said he told me you will be at every union meeting, and that's just the way it is. And he stopped talking. I'm like that's you will be here, and even if you're on duty, we only have two stations, and it's at one of the stations, so you'll be here. <laughs> so I showed up, and I and I would I was there every time. And then when I went to Seattle, I went to the Union Hall. And I remember thinking, I don't know if you have you has ever been there. It's not that big. And I remember thinking, how does everyone fit in here? And they said, well, everyone doesn't fit in here, but they don't need to because everyone doesn't come. And I can remember days where I was the only one at a union meeting. And we had this joke, like, well, I guess I can just pass all kinds of things that I want today because yeah. I'm the only one who showed up. <laughs> and the my point, and it's better now. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of people come, a lot more uh, engagement. but especially when there's something controversial going on as yeah. is probably uh, your, your system too. But <laughs> my point is getting involved early helped me now awesome. because I have seen, I saw behind the, I became a union vice president at with two, two and a half years on. Wow. And because I was so in, involved early and there was an opening and I had to appoint someone. Oh, we had a, no, we had a vote. And, and anyway, I, I, I won the position. But I was nominated because I was because I was I was there I was around yeah and I got to see behind the curtain of the fire department very very early you know like right. most people aren't having a a legitimate labor discussion 
yeah and and disagreement with the fire chief of, of the city of seattle no less yeah when you have two years in the fire department but i was right, right. you know i lost that one by the way <laughs> but, uh, but I, I won some other ones. I was going to say, I'm sure you won many, plenty after. But, uh, but you know, I, I got to see how how it works. I got to see what was happening yeah. up there. And so now I wasn't so, I wasn't so confused. I wasn't subject yeah. to the rumor mill because I understood how yeah. and why these decisions were getting made. Yeah. And we've all sat at the beanery table and had someone say, well, why are they doing this? And someone else throws out yeah. an idea. Or yeah. a guess. I guess, yeah. And that just becomes the rumor. Yep. And now I'm sitting there, and I know why it happened. And if I could tell them, I would. I'd say, well, that's, I mean, if you want to hear what actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> we did think about your idea. Yeah. And it turned out it can't work because of this, that, and the other. And this yeah. is what we came up with because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And to me, that was so comforting to not have to be subject to the rumors, subject to the innuendo, all that stuff. Just just knowing the answer or at yeah. least knowing how the process works. Absolutely. So getting involved is, is very important. Uh, keeps you engaged. Like just be a better firefighter. Just, yep. just, just go to classes, you know, find, find your niche, whatever it is. Some people want to dive deep into a certain operational yep. uh, avenue. Some people want to get into labor stuff. We yeah. need all of that. Yeah. So, you know, pick the lane and, and, yeah. uh, and go or, or, or try it all out. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is move around a lot. Like in our, in our department, because we're large, um, I mean, I love being at twos. I didn't want to go anywhere else, and I and I worked my way to getting there. But I think for new folks, like they have so so much opportunity to see different parts of the city, and yeah. there's somewhere for you. Like if you're, you know, a quirky guy, you know, there's a there's a station full of other quirky guys that would love to have you. You know, find them. <laughs> you know, absolutely. And uh, it's true. So, it's true. So yeah, I, I, I think love those it. Are huge. So yeah, new employees, there you go. Get involved early, stay involved, learn. Awesome. How about the emerging leader? These are these uh, up and coming uh, formal leaders for organizations. Could be an aspiring company officer, a newer company officer, a new engineer, maybe a newer training mm -hmm. officer, something like that. What's something that they could do today to start growing as leaders? Uh, one, be confident. Uh, again, people, I think respect starts there. Like I, I think we've all known plenty of people that weren't that fun to be around. But this guy's good at his job, and I follow him anywhere because I know he's not going to get me hurt. You know, those those are those are important. I mean, it's better if people like you. That's that's more fun yeah, for everybody. It does. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, I think it's important that you start off with some confidence, but then be someone worthy of being followed. If you're going to be a leader, people are going to have to want to follow you. Like we can we can call ourselves, um, you know, lieutenant, captain lord whatever but if people aren't following you you're not a yeah. leader yeah and yeah. you have to be someone that's worthy of that yeah. you know in your thoughts your actions you know how you treat people all those things have to line up otherwise your integrity all those things have to be there yeah. for people to want to listen to you um Absolutely. and and the, and that's to me that's the that's the most important thing people have to want to otherwise they'll begrudgingly follow you and then they'll but that, but it won't be genuine, and you won't be a leader. You'll just be the boss of somebody. Absolutely. I mean, I think Jocko Willing said that in his book or his podcast, or it was one or the other, where he says, you know, it's a leader's job to get people not just to do the job, but to get them to want to do the job. Yes. And so that's yes. that's key, right? Because you know, everyone can say, oh, okay, sure, I'll go do it. 
okay, you did it with a bad attitude. How about it's our job as leaders to get people to understand the why and to get them to want to do it. And then we're all in a better place. So that's awesome. How about the tip for the senior or the established leaders of organizations could be, you know, senior members, chief officers, battalion chiefs, fire chiefs, deputy chiefs. What are the, what are some things that senior members could start doing to grow as leaders? You can't forget where you came from and you can't forget about the members themselves. Like sometimes in our leadership, in our department is pretty far away from the troops, right? Uh, as far as the, you know, with, with the layers and how big it is, like it's pretty easy to be on the fourth floor you know, of headquarters and come up with an idea or a policy and say, yeah, we should do this and not understand the true impact it's going to have on the members that have to carry that out. And, you know, I haven't been up there and, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, an assistant or a deputy chief. So, I don't necessarily have the answer, but it's, it's something that frequently comes up is they don't realize what we're going through down here. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you know, we've, we've gone through a pandemic, we've gone through social unrest, we, we've gone through all these things, you know, and, and, you know, we had the chop, you know, and we had a, a whole station almost under siege, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm not, the, the leadership did what did a lot of things. You know, but the, but those guys also felt like they they weren't supported in the way that they needed. You know, and so there's a it does and I, again that doesn't mean the leadership wasn't trying. They were they were doing all kinds of things. I know they were. Right. But it's kind of like buying your wife the wrong gift, right? Mm-hmm. You bought her something, but it's not what she wanted, so she's still not happy. And uh, it's it's and you're not you're not going to get them all right. Like sometimes sometimes the guys are just going to be mad and they need to vent and say something. But right. I think we all need to, as leaders, take it, take it seriously when our folks have something to say yeah. and make, make sure they're getting listened to and make sure that you're, you're giving them what they need to the best of your abilities. And yeah. sometimes you got to say, no, sometimes you got to say, I can't do that. Yep. Or what yeah. you're saying isn't going to work, but at least have the conversation with them and make sure that they understand what it is that try to understand that what they're going through, you know, I don't know. I've seen, I've seen chiefs, you know, in some departments, you know, like the chief will ride the eight car with them or something like that. And and sometimes I think, well, that's cool. I mean, if that, if that's a part of their, their tradition or something, something like that, but I don't necessarily think, you know, I don't need the fire chief to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't, that's not his job anymore, but it, but it's good when he understands that, well, 825 went on 6,500 runs last, last year. Mm. And that works out to 30 some per day. And that's, that's probably too much for, for a couple of people to do yeah. on a regular basis. So we need to work on that. Now. Yeah. Understanding. Considerations and all that. So yeah, um, oh. he's got to make those choices. They're hard choices. One skill that's in there that I think gets lost sometimes is, is the skill of listening. Right. So, I mean, that's part of it too, is it's not just telling people what you want them to do. It's also about listening to the needs of them a little bit. And, and that's part of it. Yeah. So. so another favorite part, in fact, every part of this episode is uh, this podcast, my favorite, this is the leadership challenge. Um, obviously we were experiencing the leadership pre-challenge today as challenged by, by Lieutenant Leo Castaneda, but did we get to take this leadership pre-challenge into the formal leadership challenge of John Goins? So this is where we ask you, Captain, to name somebody, 
challenge them, call them out here on this podcast for Bill and I to reach out to at a later date for someone to come talk leadership with us at the kitchen table. So if I can ask, is there someone out there, Captain, that you would recommend come talk leadership and share their story or their philosophy in a future episode of the kitchen table? Yeah, um, I have I have a few. Um, so I don't know we'll if, if you want me to pick one, I can do. No, that. no, we uh, we take them all because uh, okay. you know, as as an old betting man, sometimes you'll take the odds, and if you don't get one, yeah. you got a good chance of getting one of two. So we'll try it. All right. So I'll I'll, I'll start off with uh, Deputy Chief Tom Walsh uh, from Seattle Fire. Uh, he is uh, a mentor of mine, somebody who tell, told me how to do it, and with his with his words and his actions. He is a firefighter's chief in that you know he's got your back. You know he wants to do the right thing for the folks, but you also know he's going to do his duty uh, with respect to the fire department. And going back to something I said earlier, you know, some people will uh, disregard their duty for, you know, popularity, for, you know, to make sure the, the, the guys are, the guys still like them, things like that. Chief Walsh doesn't do that. You know, he will, he will hold up the principles of the fire department as, as high as he can while still taking care of us. And he, and he does it without fail. Uh, he was my recruit instructor when he was a lieutenant and I watched him become a captain, but battalion chief and now a deputy chief. I believe he's the senior deputy chief uh, in the department. He'll be retiring at some point in the next couple of years, I'd imagine, but uh, he would be absolutely amazing to talk to. I, awesome. If everyone could get the things I've gotten from him, uh, the whole fire service would be better. Amazing. I truly believe that. Battalion Chief Dan Murray uh, is a is a newer battalion chief, uh, a very young guy. Uh, Leo uh, knows him uh, from North Highline. I, I knew him from there. And he uh, came after me to Seattle and has done a great job. Uh, he was instrumental in, uh, I don't know if you saw on the news, we had a fire station that, uh, you know, fire station 31, where a lot of folks were, were getting cancer and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chief Murray was instrumental when he was the captain there in getting that station replaced. Uh, and that station's been torn down to the ground. We're not going to rebuild a new station at that spot. And it wasn't just him. It was a partnership uh, with him and the, and the union and, uh, and and the fire chief and the city, obviously, for agreeing to, to, to rebuild this place. But uh, he is he is a, a great example of taking care of your people and and running a, a an objective all the way to the end. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Lieutenant Tim Frank is on ladder 10 on Capitol Hill. Uh, another person that, uh, you know, regardless of rank, like I he he outranks me. Uh, no matter how I, high I go, because uh, Lieutenant Frank is just a, a consummate professional, takes care of business. Uh, he was, I was just talking to him this morning. He was, he was on uh, engine 25 and he was 100% about the engine and hose lays and hydraulics and everything. And then he uh, spent a couple of years of training and then went back and now, and now he's on ladder 10 in the same station. And now he is 100% about the truck. And the point being with him is, he leans into whatever he's doing. And right now it's, it's ladder 10 and he's amazing at it. He's one of our best people in general. Awesome. And I, I, lo I love working with him. And the last one is, uh, is uh, Lieutenant Leo Castaneda. <laughs> like I said, he's got, he's got a story that is amazing, you know, and I won't, I won't uh, speak too much to it except to say that his, his journey to where we all are, 
was harder than 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 the three of us. I I would almost guarantee it. And the perseverance, uh, the commitment, you know, and 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 just the the having a great attitude throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's an amazing person, and I really appreciate his friendship. I really appreciate uh, him and everything he he went through to get here. Uh, anytime someone complains about something at the fire department, I think about Leo and I go, you know, Leo, Leo spent, you know, however long he, he spent trying to get here. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I, and he doesn't have the complaints you have. Yeah. You know, oh, he's, that's awesome. he's, he's still happy. He's still having a good time. And, uh, no, I, I love him and he'd, he'd be great too. Thank you. Well, the, the success of this podcast is only goes as far as, as the people and the leaders that are willing to come speak and share a story or perspective, and then also the listeners out there. So the fact that um, we can have an individual like Leo recommend someone like yourself, John, but then to further recommend three others. And, um, you know, hopefully one, if not all three would uh, spend the time with us is, 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 is what makes a podcast and the leadership conversation going. So thank you so much. We'll, uh, we'll gather that information at a later date. We'll reach out to all of them. I'll CC you on the email and uh, we'll see how far we could take this into, uh, into, into, we've gone regionally. We're going to hit the East coast next week, but uh, we're Seattle heavy, which is okay. Um, So uh, why don't we do this? I've got two last things. I'm going to ask Leo to share his very brief story. because we have to close in five minutes and then I have the lasting leadership thoughts. So Lieutenant Leo. So, yeah, just to close up in a very, uh, in the 25 years that I know Captain Goins as a friend and as a brother is what I learned from his behavior is the takeaway is get involved. And he said it early. And that message goes to anybody that wants to be in the fire service. Get involved. And then number two is answer your question. How can I make this better? The department, the fire station, the call. It doesn't matter where you are. How can I make it better? And just stay humble, keep working hard, and it's the best job in the world. That is all. Awesome. Thank you. Um, That is, uh, for the listeners out there who tuned in late, that is future guest speaker on the kitchen table, Lieutenant Leo Castaneda (laughs) of Seattle Fire. So before we officially close um, the episode today, it's what we call the lasting leadership thoughts. So, uh, Captain, soon to be Battalion Chief John Goins. First of all, thank you for your time today. Any lasting thoughts for our listeners before we close here on the kitchen table? Yes. And first of all, uh, thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. I'm 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 humbled uh, that you'd want to listen to me. And uh, it was it was a great experience. Uh, I certainly encourage it uh, to anyone who uh, who's invited. It, it was a great experience. I think we talked about a lot here, so I don't have anything specific to add, except, you know, one thing I, I think it's important that you apply this wherever you are and something Chief Mack said earlier, which is lead from where you are. And that, that also applies to where you work, like what department you're at, you know, and I, I certainly made the leap from, from one to the other because I really wanted to be here. But I've met great firefighters from all over the place. And there's there's something I've learned is that it doesn't matter where you're from. It matters how much effort and you put into it and how much uh, you care. And that is very, very important. Uh, I think whatever you do, make wherever you're at the best place. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, then go somewhere that is. But but I think it's uh, 
I think it's incumbent on you. Whenever I see, and we have a lot of stations, whenever I've seen a station that, that just doesn't seem to be thriving, you know, it's not the station, it's not the runs, it's not, it's not that you're not the cool place and, you know, with all the high rises and all that, it's because you're not putting enough effort into that. Yeah. I've had an amazing time, you know, at a station that, that you know, is, is not the most desirable, but because of the people I was with, and how we treated each other and how we decided to work together, it was an amazing experience. And I think that matters for which station you work at in a, in a department or what department you work at in general. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, a, that's, that's my last thing. Awesome. I think, thank you. That's uh, we hear it all the time, right? People, you said it just that we, we when it comes to station bids at the end of the year, it's like people go, what, what station are you working at? Where are you bidding? It's like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to pick the right crew. So it's about what you control, right? You're not going to control your surroundings. You're not going to control the environment. You're not going to control a lot of things. But what you could control is your attitude that you bring into any situation or to any environment, to any to any circumstance. And the attitude is you can bring it in positively or negatively. And that's something that you control. So that's awesome. I love it. 100%. Bill, lasting thoughts. No, just again, thank you uh, for coming on our podcast. Um, this was an, an idea that started a bunch of years ago when we were in training together. You know, the, the goal here really is to take people, you know, as, as much as we want to all be extreme owners and read extreme ownership and be Navy SEALs, um, <laughs> it, it, it really doesn't match with what we do in the day in and day out because it just mm -hmm. it's just a different environment, right? So having people like you come on makes it credible. It gives it, you know, someone that's that's there doing the job right now, and it gives different perspective uh, because everyone needs to have different angles of leadership. I, you know, I always think about leadership as taking a twelve lead, right? It's taking different angles and different looks mm -hmm. at the heart to find out what the problem is. And so, leadership's the same thing to find to find what works for you. You got to go to a bunch of different people, and one day it's it's going to click right you're going to be the right guy for the right person exactly yep so well thank you everybody for tuning in today to the kitchen table we truly hope that you found this time valuable and we hope that we've inspired you to take action and to lead and to spread the leadership conversation until next time be safe be intentional and stay curious <laughs>